what he said was perhaps the most, how would I say, succinct and scary analysis of where we are. We are on a pathway, he said, to global warming of more than double the one and a half degree limit or target that was agreed in Paris in 2015. Some governments and business leaders are saying one thing and doing another. Simply put, they are lying and the results will be catastrophic. That is climate scientist Professor David Caroli quoting the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. Professor Caroli was speaking at a special event at Melbourne's St Paul's Cathedral, an event which saw the unveiling, so to speak, of a huge globe hanging from the ceiling created by British artist Luke Gerrell. The showing of the globe coincided with World Earth Day on April 22nd. Welcome to Climate Conversations and within that, quick climate links. I am your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is published here in Shepparton in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The YouTube presentation of the event at St Paul's Cathedral, featuring the unveiling of the Luke Gerald Globe, goes for nearly two and a half hours, and so I've plucked out the piece featuring just the address by Professor Caroli. You'll find a link to the entire event in the show notes. I come from a scientist background, but the first thing that I want to do is follow on from Auntie Janet to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country where I live in southeastern Melbourne, the Bunurong people, as well as the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians here in Melbourne, and all the other traditional custodians of country throughout Australia. These traditional custodians have cared for country around Australia for thousands of generations. We can learn a lot from them because they are the only continuous Indigenous communities anywhere on this planet that have lived from the last Ice Age to the current interglacial period and have managed country sustainably through dramatic climate change already. More than five degrees of global warming from the last ice age to the current interglacial period and more than 100 metres of sea level rise. They know what it's like to survive those sorts of dramatic changes and they can help us understand because unfortunately we may be heading for those sorts of, and we are heading for those sorts of dramatic changes in the future. The Secretary General of the United Nations earlier this month provided a speech and a media release at the launch of the third volume of the sixth assessment report of the Intergovernmental Panel 
on climate change. What he said was perhaps the most, how would I say, succinct and scary analysis of where we are. We are on a pathway, he said, to global warming of more than double the one and a half degree limit or target that was agreed in Paris in 2015. Some governments and business leaders are saying one thing and doing another. Simply put, they are lying and the results will be catastrophic. This is a climate emergency. High emitting governments and corporations are not just turning a blind eye, they are adding fuel to the flames. Those are not my words, that's the Secretary General of the United Nations and normally he is required to give a very balanced and politically correct perspective. A consensus view is the approach that the United Nations always follows. I am a climate scientist and I'm going to provide you with some of the science background from this most recent scientific assessment of climate change. I have now retired from CSIRO where I was the leader of the Earth Systems and Climate Change Hub for the last four years, this hub was funded by the Australian Government's National Environmental Science Program from 2018 to 2021. What I'm going to do is essentially talk about the climate emergency as an approach to trying to improve climate literacy of the Australian population and businesses and communities and governments at all levels across Australia. And the way that I do that is through communication in the media, through talking to all of these different groups, individually and collectively, and through presentations such as I'm giving tonight. Fortunately, I am no longer restricted by the CSIRO public comment policy to hear David speak out. Hey, David. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sally. Unfortunately, I will have to talk about some bad news. I'm going to use the information in this comprehensive scientific update on climate change. The three volumes that have just been published from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change its sixth assessment report, the previous report, was, was produced in 2013 and 2014 prior to the Paris Agreement. There is a very substantial update. Now, I'm not going to go through every word because it is already 3,000 plus pages long. But fortunately, when you get the printed version of my talk, there, is, there are some key links where you can get the two page summaries for Australia on both the science of climate change and the impact of climate change. And I'm going to cherry pick 
either some of the worst conclusions or some of the best conclusions. It depends on your perspective. But in terms of understanding the climate emergency, you need to understand where we are heading and what we need to try to manage. There is no doubt that human-caused emissions of greenhouse gases have warmed the atmosphere, the ocean and the land, have warmed all our countries, land and water country. Global surface temperatures have already warmed by 1.1 degree in the most recent decade compared with what we've talked about as a pre-industrial period, but isn't. The period where we've got enough data to come up with good observations, 1850 to 1900 is what is being called pre-industrial by the IPCC. What we do know is that the land temperatures have warmed substantially faster than the global average because land heats up faster than the global average and the oceans haven't warmed up as fast as that. Carbon dioxide concentrations in the atmosphere have increased by more than 40% over the same period. And we know that that is due to land clearing and burning fossil fuels. It's due to human activities. It's not a natural variation, and there's ample evidence for that. We also know that the concentrations of carbon dioxide are now higher than at any time over the last million years, than any time at which humans have lived on our planet. We also know that Australia's climate has warmed substantially more than the global average because Australia's a significant landmass. And associated with that is a substantial increase in the frequency of heat events. When we compare the observations, the warming of 1.4 degrees over the last 100 years, what we find when we compare it to climate model simulations is we can only explain the warming observed in Australia or observed anywhere over the planet when we include increases in greenhouse gases as observed. We can use the same climate model simulations to understand what is in store for the next 20 years or the next 50 years or to the end of this century. And unless we rapidly reduce greenhouse gas emissions, we will have much greater warming. If we look at the impacts of climate change, there is a chapter in the impact volume, specifically on Australia and New Zealand. That chapter is only 110 pages long. But I can summarize it in just a few key points, and there is a two-page set of key climate impacts for Australia. High confidence, key climate risks. And I'm not gonna go through them all. The highest confidence, unfortunately, is loss of coral reefs due to marine heat waves and acidification of the oceans. Increases in heat-related mortality for people and particularly for wildlife due to heat waves that we've experienced over the last 30 years. There are cascading impacts 
on cities, on settlements, on our infrastructure and services due to the increases in bushfires, floods, droughts, heat waves, storms and sea level rise. The last of the nine key risks is a very, very interesting one. The people who experienced the bushfires and heat waves in 2019, so in 20, yeah, 19 and 20, the black summer bushfires, the people who have experienced the flooding in Queensland and the New South Wales coast would agree there's been an inability of institutions and governance systems to manage these climate risks. The RBCC conclusions are required to be politically neutral, but their key conclusion is that there is an inability of institutions and governance systems not only to manage climate risks now, but ongoing increasing climate risks in the future. We know that global surface temperatures will continue to increase, at least until the middle of the century, and that the one and a half and two degrees Celsius targets under the Paris Agreement are likely to be exceeded unless there are deep reductions in carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. The key conclusion from the IPCC is that every tonne of carbon dioxide emissions adds to global warming. So what is the assessment of Australia's government policy in terms of climate action? Well, there is an independent group, the Climate Change Performance Index for 2022 was released at the end of 2021. It ranked Australia last in the world for climate policies. Stating that Australia's the Australian government's policies are insufficient for decarbonising the economy, inadequate for reducing the use of fossil fuels, inadequate for promoting renewable energy, and setting out how national greenhouse gas emissions will be reduced. The government does not have any policies on phasing out coal or gas. Those are not my words. Those are the words from the Climate Change Performance Index. Your vote at the national elections on the 21st of May allows you to make a choice. Any delay in reducing emissions is a decision to make global warming and the climate emergency worse. Thank you. My hometown of Shepparton, which is in the heart of the Nichols electorate, has hit the headlines for the wrong reasons. According to a story in the Shepparton News today, the Climate Council has painted a dire future for Shepparton, whether more is done to combat climate change or not. The story by Murray Selby goes on. In its latest report, incorporated into a digital climate risk report, the Climate Council claims more than 91% of homes are at risk of riverine flooding by 2030, even when based on a low emission scenario. You'll find a link to that story in the show notes. 
Well, thanks so much for your company. I'm going to go now. We've reached the end of today's Quick Climate Links, or at least the audio section of today's Quick Climate Links. And please don't forget to check out the show notes, as there'll be lots of links in there, links that'll help you better understand the climate crisis and how you should respond. As I said before, thanks so much for your company. But until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle.